Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, so where you are at, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 5. We are in this series that we have called Above All. And in this series, I've been teaching on all of the miracles that Jesus performed when he began his earthly ministry. We just got this started, so we're about three, four miracles in. If you're wondering how far into the series are they, we're still pretty early. And you can always go back and listen to some of the other messages, but we're in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read a familiar passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read from the first verse. I'm going to go all the way down to the 11th verse, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Follow along with with me. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. I find that interesting. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Now, when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full, they began to tear. Goes on to say, a shout for help brought their partners in other boats and soon both boats so there's two boats now both boats were so filled with fish that they were on the verge of sinking now when Simon Peter realized what had happened he fell to his knees before Jesus and said oh Lord please leave me I'm too much of a sinner to be around you we call that repentance when you acknowledge your sin and you are asking for forgiveness And it says that Peter was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What I want to speak to you today on is this thought that I am calling, burn the boats burn the boats. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments that we share together. I thank you, God, for the worship that has just invaded our space. Father, we've we've been singing about your presence meeting us, and God, I just pray that that's what you would do right now. Now I pray that you meet us, Lord God, as your word comes forward. We, We put aside every distraction, and we lean into what you are saying to us. We open up our minds, our hearts, and our ears now to receive what you have for us. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, burn the boats. There was a Spanish conquistador. He was an explorer by the name of Hernan Cortez, and he led expeditions from Spain into the Americas to colonize the Americas. And there was a historical moment in Cortez's attempts in 1519 when Cortez would land in what we now call Veracruz. Now, there's a lot of political 
and ethical implications that are going to tie into this story of which I'm not going to get into at this moment. That's not the point of the story. The, the, the point of the story is what Cortez did when he arrived. Because what he did has become a leadership lesson that has been taught in many venues and in many arenas. So when Cortez finally landed in Veracruz, the legend says that once they got to the seashore and as Hernan Cortez began to tell the men that we're not going back, he did something very brave. He lit every single boat on fire. He lit all the boats on fire as if to say there is no going back from here. He wanted them to be wholly committed to the journey that was ahead of them. Now, that's quite the imagery, if you will, burning the boats and, and, and to set them on fire. And, and really what he was letting them know is if um, there is no plan B, if plan A doesn't work, there's plan A and then there's plan A. You got to figure out a way to make plan A work. And another way that I would say that is it's easy to retreat when retreat is an option. It's easy to retreat when retreat is an option. So Cortez made sure that there was no other option. They were going to have to be wholly committed to this journey and find a way to make it work. Now, now I say all of that to point, um, point us to Peter's story because there's some parallels there. He didn't literally let uh, light his boat on fire, but we'll see what he did figuratively as he left everything, as he abandoned all to follow Jesus, to become a Jesus Follower. So let's go to the text. When we catch up to Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, he decides to use the boat as a pulpit. He sees Peter, he sees James, and he sees John, and they've been fishing all night, and they haven't caught anything. I mean, talk about having your work feel meaningless. They weren't making any impact. And again, as fishermen, working all night means you worked all night and you're not going to get paid. And this is the scene that Jesus walked into. And, and Jesus, he's having, he, he, he's, he's walking by the seashore of Galilee, but there's people just following him. He, Jesus is this masterful rabbi, this teacher of, of the law and of the prophets, and, and people never left him. And so Jesus was going to seize the moment. And I, I think part of seizing the moment was seeing everything that was playing out, okay? He's got a crowd of people behind him. He's got some empty boats ahead of him. He figures if I can get out into the water just a little bit, I could use the boat for a pulpit and I can preach to this crowd. Now, I, I, I just love the creativity of Jesus. And, and I'm probably going to pick on a few things right now that have kind of become a little pet peeve of mine during this season that we are living through with COVID-19. I've heard people complain about how we've had to turn warehouses or the back of, of, of trailers or the tops of buildings into pulpits. And they say, we belong in a building and we shouldn't have to do that. But listen, if Jesus can preach from a boat, we can preach from anywhere. If Jesus can preach from a boat, we can preach from everywhere. Anyway, Jesus did not have a pulpit, okay? And Jesus did not have padded pews. So let's not, let's not get too married to the, the, the method and, and lose sight of the message, okay? Now, I'm off my soapbox, okay? So when the sermon was over, when Jesus is done preaching there, he dismisses all of the congregation, and he tells Peter, I want you to go out a little deeper into the water. And so Peter does that. He goes out a little deeper into the water, and then Jesus says, okay, right here. Now, let down your nets. Now, get the brevity of the situation. Peter is a career fisherman. This is all he's done. 
Um, this is what his father did. He was a, a fisherman by generational trade. And, and Jesus, if you want to know what Jesus um, grew up in, the environment that Jesus grew up in was his, his earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter. The Bible says that Joseph um, was a carpenter. They called Jesus the carpenter's son. So, so the carpenter's son, who doesn't know anything about fishing, is, is telling the career fisherman, we're going to stop here and we're going to let down our nets. Can, can, can I just get you to understand the imagery of that? And, and Peter, Peter's a little salty because Peter's like, yo, Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing, but Peter's like, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. As if to say to him, look, I know that you're a rabbi. You're a wonderful teacher of the law. Man, you even do some crazy miracles. You turn water to wine. I've never seen that before. But fishing, this is what we do. This is, this is what we've been born to do. And this is probably what our kids are going to do. We know fishing. But, but, but nevertheless, they, they said, okay, if, if if, if you say so, and I love the way it reads in the King James Version, because that passage of Scripture in the King James Version says, but at your word, we'll let down our nets. What Peter was saying is, it doesn't make sense, but because you said so, we'll go ahead and let down our nets. Now, we know what happens. They end up catching so much fish, and as we read just a minute ago, that the fish almost sank the boat that they were in, so they called another boat. The other boat sh shows up, and there's so much fish that it almost sinks that boat. That's our story. But let me take you into some application that I see here in the text. First and foremost, and, and if you're taking notes at home, these are good things to write down. And if you don't take notes, just write this down anyway. When our doubt meets his word, his word wins every time. When our doubt meets his word, his word wins every time. You see, Peter had doubt. Peter said to Jesus, he said to Jesus, you know, we've been doing this all night. We haven't caught anything. He's, he's looking at Jesus, and he didn't have a faith-filled response. Peter, Peter wasn't looking at Jesus like, awesome, this is exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to let it down here because this is what you said. You were the, the miracle-working God. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, listen, we've been doing this all night. Haven't caught a single thing. Doesn't really make sense to let down our nets here. But if you said so, we'll go ahead and do it. And listen, it's okay to have doubts. You want me to say that one more time? It's okay to have doubts. The Bible shows us that our doubt doesn't get in the way of Jesus executing his word. Our doubt doesn't throw Jesus off of his plans. A few weeks ago, I talked about how you don't even have to have big faith to come to God. You don't have to have big faith to come to God. Jesus told his disciples, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, the mustard seed is a little itty bitty seed. And Jesus said, if you just got faith like that, you could move a mountain. Do you want to know what Jesus was saying? He was saying the size of your faith doesn't mean anything if you don't put that faith in the size of a powerful God. But because he knew his power and he knew his might, he said, bring whatever faith you got and watch me move a mountain. And in the same way, our doubt is not strong enough to cancel out his word. I'm going to say that again. Our doubt is not strong enough to cancel out his word. Peter didn't have faith. Peter had a lot of doubt. And I want to really hit home with this, you see, because I grew up in a religious system that emphasized what I did over what he did. I'm going to say that one more time. I grew up in a system that placed more emphasis on what I did 
over what he did as if God's ability to perform in my life could be manipulated by my performance. You catching that? As if somehow my ability to be good would somehow get me enough gold stars for God to work on my behalf. That's not living by grace through faith. That's living by our works. That's trying to allow our own works to make us righteous. And you know what? The worst part about that kind of thinking is that kind of thinking puts you in charge, not God. Because if I just do enough, if I just don't sin, if I can just be good, then then God will do it. Well, then God's not in charge. You're in charge. And your ability to be good and your ability not to do bad things. And and so you got to understand that when we think that we can manipulate God by our works, we're saying, God, you're not sovereign. But how many know that he's a sovereign God? Come on, put something in the emojis right now. How many of you know that he is a sovereign God? Peter had a lot of doubt, but he knew enough to say, but at your word, at your word. Somebody type in the message right there, your word. And some of you need to get that because you can have doubt, but you still got to go and get a word. You can have a little bit of faith, but go and get yourself a word. You have got to get the word of God on your life. And when you get the word of God on your life, you don't even have to try and rationalize it. Sometimes God will tell you to do something that makes no mistake, that makes that makes no sense. What do you do? You do it anyway. Why? Because he spoke. It's God's word. And whatever God says, it will come to pass. So you can have your doubts, but you listen to his word. Listen to his word in spite of your doubts. Because here's the reason why. When your doubt meets his word, his word wins every time. Now, the second thing that I want you to notice is that the goodness of God led Peter to repentance. Type in there the goodness of God. It was the goodness of God that led Peter to repentance, Romans 2, 4. You see, repentance is a fundamental part of our faith journey. You cannot move forward in your faith without first turning your back on what you, without first turning your back on your past. You cannot move forward without forgetting the past. And when you say, I'm turning away from that past, when I make a U-turn and now I run to you, that is what is called repentance. Now, now watch what happens in the text. In the text, it was God's goodness that led Peter to repentance. It was the goodness of God that led Peter to repentance. Do you want to know what God didn't do? Do you want to know what Jesus did not do in that moment? He did not expose all of Peter's sins and tell him, you better repent. Do you want to know what Jesus did not do? He did not scare Peter and say, stop from doing this or you're going to hell in order to get Peter to repent. And now listen, I'm not going to argue with the effectiveness of scaring someone into repentance because if I'm being honest with you, I, I, I was scared when I was 10 and I was scared when I was 11 years old. And the only reason I ran to Jesus is because I didn't want to go to hell. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, I went to camps and at these camps, I would be so afraid. And and I I ran to an altar, not because of the goodness of God, but because I didn't want to go to hell. And, and, And here's the problem with that. If you only go to God because you just don't want to go to hell, you are not being led to repentance out of the goodness of God. And that type of repentance is temporary. That type of repentance is not going to last Sure, it might have been enough to scare you for a season, 
But do you want to know what true repentance is? True repentance is when we've seen the goodness of God and we choose that over everything. We choose the goodness of God over anything this world can give us. That's when you have had a true life change encounter. When you scare someone into repentance, all you are doing is modifying their behavior, but you are not experiencing a true conversion. But here's what happens. When I make a decision out of the goodness of God, I am doing it in response to who he is. I am doing it because I am seeing who he is and I am making a choice to be with him. Catch the difference because it is very different. It's one thing to say I choose Jesus just because I don't want to go to hell. It's another thing to say I choose Jesus because he has the best for me. I choose Jesus because his plans are perfect. I choose Jesus because his will is pure. I choose Jesus over everything. And that's what happened with Peter. Peter shows God. Peter repented because he saw the goodness of God. He saw the goodness of God and he said, that's what I want. Now, maybe you're watching right now and you're feeling a little convicted because you're like, oh, pastor, but that's kind of me. You know, I, I'm not sure if I've seen the goodness of God yet. I just really don't want to go to hell. <laughs> I heard it's pretty bad. I heard it's hot. I heard it's hot. And it's like, you know, it's not really where I want to go. Listen, uh, that, that's okay. All right. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not here to call out where you're at in your journey, but you've got to get to a place where you see God's goodness. You've got to get to a place where you experience all that he has for you. You have got to get to a place where you have a genuine encounter with God and you say, I choose that over anything the world can throw my way. Because here's the last thing that I want to take you to. Peter burned the boat. Peter burned the boat. No, he didn't literally burn the boat. He figuratively burned the boat. And I want to put this in its proper context for you. I, I want you to understand how Peter walked away from everything in order to follow Jesus. Because when Jesus showed up to where Peter was, Jesus did not call Peter to be his follower when he was there many the nets. He did not say, Peter, come and be my disciple. Ah, you've had an unsuccessful night of fishing? Come with me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's, that's not when Jesus called Peter. No, no, no. That, that would have been easy. As a matter of fact, had, had I had a really rough night at the job and Jesus came and offered me a better way, I would have been, you know what? Fishing stinks. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going with you. I work so hard and I'm not even getting a paycheck. I think I'll be a disciple. Anything but fishing. But that's not what Jesus did. You see, Jesus comes. Tells him, let's get in the boat. Let's go out. I'm going to preach for a little while. We're going to go out a little deeper, and then I'm going to tell you to let down your net. And then once he lets down his net, Peter catches not one boatload of fish, but Peter catches two boatloads of fish. Listen, that's dollars. That is money. Get, get, get this. A lot of money. When Jesus tells Peter, I want you to follow me, he tells Peter, I want you to follow me right after Peter had a huge windfall. And if you're wondering, pastor, what's a windfall? That means when you've got a sudden, uh, you receive a sudden financial gift, unexpected, out of nowhere. And that was Peter. Peter didn't just have one boatload of fish. Peter had two boatloads of fish. And the Bible says that they were so packed with fish that the boats almost sank. Do you know how much money Peter was giving up to follow Jesus? This was probably the biggest payday in Peter's life. He's, he's never caught this much fish before. 
And he, you, you know this because he wasn't expecting any of this. And he's calling his friends, hey, get over here because I don't have enough room in my boat. What, Peter was, what, we, what we can deduce from the story is that Peter wasn't prepared. Peter's never caught anything like this. And so he calls over his friends and they come to bail him out. And this is now when Jesus asks the question. You getting that now? Jesus asks him the question when he's got two boats full of money and Jesus says I want you to leave all of this and I want you to follow me and you know what the Bible doesn't say happened Peter didn't say but can can I go take some of this let me go cash some of this in first let let me go exchange some of this let me get some money and because if I get some good money then I can follow you Jesus we can finance your ministry I mean come on Jesus if you let me sell these fish we can get some LED screens we can get some nice cameras I mean we can go viral Jesus Peter don't do any of that he doesn't do any of that Peter just is forced to follow Jesus or follow a paycheck a big paycheck and Peter leaves, and he doesn't even make any arrangements. As a matter of fact, I wonder who the brother was that got rich that day because they left two boats full of fish, and they followed Jesus from that day forward. And I'm coming to a close now. Peter's response is, is, is very much like the response of someone that burns the ship because, again, P- Peter didn't come back. Peter didn't make any arrangements. Peter didn't try to figure out a way to keep some of this money for himself. Peter just decided, I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen God do something I've never seen in my life, and I'm going to go with him, even if it costs me this huge payday. And he experienced in that moment radical conversion. He experienced in that moment radical repentance. And, 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 And when he experienced that, he said, you know, all of this, the, these two boatfuls of fish, I, I, I know that it can get me a lot of money, but, but I choose Jesus. I, I choose him. I choose his plans for me. I choose his ways for me. And, and right now, wherever you're watching from, you, you too have a decision to make. And, and as I mentioned earlier, maybe you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I've really seen the goodness of the Lord. I I don't know if I've experienced that yet. You can experience that today. You can experience that right now. You can experience all that God has for you. It's a shift in your mindset to say, God, I'm no longer going to serve you out of fear. I'm no longer going to serve you out of insecurity. I'm no longer going to serve you, God, because I feel like you're the only option. I'm going to serve you, God, because you're the best option. I'm going to serve you, God, because I want to serve you. I'm going to serve you, God, because I want to be a person that spends eternity with you. I'm not running from anything at this point, God. I'm just running to you. And if I've got to burn the boat, then so be it. I'm going to burn the boat. And some of you that are watching online, you've got boats that you've got to burn. You've been trying to follow God, but you've also been trying to hang on to some things. You've got to learn to let those things go. Some of you have been trying to follow God, but you've been hanging on to relationship. Let that go. Some of you have been trying to follow God, but you've been hanging on to some bad decisions, some bad habits. Let those things go. What's the boat that you need to burn right now so that you can go wholly after God's plan for your life? What's the boat that needs to be burned so that you can choose everything that God has for you? Right there where you're at. I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to lead you in prayer.
and then we're going to sing some more. We, we love to close out our times with worship. And, and even right now as I'm getting ready to pray for you, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit just begins to reveal to you what boat you need to burn. I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit shows you that tie that needs to be cut. You ready to pray? You ready to let that thing go? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.